We got a different room today. We're a little spread out. Missing the campus a little bit. Uh, last week, uh, there was 116 people in attendance. It was awesome service. Really powerful time. Uh, a lot of people uh, wanted to uh, get in the Word of God and study the Scriptures, and that's happening now. And, um, you know, of course, we got a new location, new things, but I believe next week's going to be an awesome time uh, of, of worship. And this is an awesome time. You know, to be in this room is special for me because uh, this is the first, first service we had officially in the Casco Bay. And um, that was, uh, you know, just really cool to, to see, come back here sometimes. And we got a new projector now. See how crisp everything is? Do you, do you feel encouraged by the projector? Um, that stuff encourages me. Tim was, was joyful in Christ, but even more joyful in some ways with Christ. He was more joyful, but it was like the projector was right here. She was pretty fired up about that. Um, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to continue with our Philippians series. I know we're jumping around a lot, but I, I think... I think it's good to go through this slowly, not fast, uh, because, wow, there's a lot in here. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of sayings. If, if you get Romans, right, God gets you. Have you ever heard that expression before? If you get Romans, if you get it, if you understand it, if you understand the concepts in, in a heart-to-heart way, God gets you forever. Is that kind of cool to think about? You know, if you ever, ever want to fall away... Learn about Romans. Learn about the incredible book of Romans. You know, if you want to get joy, right? If you want to have surpassing joy, if you want to understand the secret to joy, then you get Philippians. And, it, and it'd be cool to go through the whole Bible. I might try to do that. Just sort of think about, obviously, uh, the Word of God is not just, you know, one thing, each book, Right? Uh, but and certainly not something that you can break down with one word. But I do think that it wouldn't be awesome just to think about each how we can appreciate each book for what it is. Each book in the Bible is different, and um, and I believe Philippians is one of those things where I I just I don't know about you, but I want to get Philippians. I really want to get it. You know, it's the second time that we've been doing Philippians as a church. Uh, and the first time was wonderful, and the second time is just as awesome. I, I'm so excited about it for me. And I was talking to Steve LaFrance on the phone the other day, and he mentioned Philippians as like his favorite series that he's ever been a part of. And I was like, wow, that's cool. He's like, yeah, man, I just I thought about the joy of the Lord, and it's been, it still sticks in my heart even today. And I was like, wow, Steve. Um, he's like, remember when you preached on this? And I was like, no. <laughs> He's like, well, I do. And I was like, amen. It's better if you remember, you know. But for me, I really want to get Philippians. I want to understand it. And, and we're right smack in the middle of, of Philippians, chapter 3. Um, and we're going to jump right in to verse 1 um, and learn about the secret of joy. And this message is entitled, Nothing Compares to the Joy of Knowing Christ. Amen? Right. Nothing compares to knowing Christ. Nothing. Nothing in all creation can compare to knowing Christ. Isn't that incredible to think about right now? I mean, to think about just, is that how I feel on a daily basis? Is that how I feel today, right? Do I, do I feel excited about knowing Christ? Or is it like, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. He's cool. You know, he's my homie, you know? Sometimes when people say, Jesus is my homie, got those shirts on. 
I'm like, I just want to go up to him and go, dude, what are you wearing that for, bro? You know, he's more than a homie. You know, he's more than just a guy you, you play video games with. He is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. He's the one who came down to this unclean world and touched us. Touched us before we were clean. That's awesome to think about for a second. That God wants you right now. He wants you right now. He doesn't want you when you're all cleaned up and better. He wants you right now. And Satan tries to say, no, he doesn't. He doesn't want you right now. That's right. He, he, hide. Hide away. And, and figure things out before you get clean. And Paul understood this more than most men do. So let's go in verse 1. And uh, the first point we're just going to jump right in is rejoice in the Lord. Is that a surprising point right there? Are you guys like, wow, that is phenomenal. That's an amazing point right there. An amazing point. Um, Verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Not in your job situation. Rejoice in the Lord. Not in your relationship status. Right? Right? Rejoice in the Lord. Not in how you feel right now. Right? Rejoice in the Lord. Not in how God is using you right now. That's right. You know? Because I got news for you. If you rejoice in the Lord, God's going to use you a lot more. You know, rejoice in the Lord. Not in whatever is happening circumstantial. Happiness has to do with happenings has to do with what's happening right now in your life. And that so unchanging and temporal, isn't it? It's just so, it's up and down. I mean, I am a very emotional guy. Did you know that? I'm a pretty emotional guy. I'm, I'm sometimes up, I'm sometimes you know, down, but you know, as the song goes, still my soul is heavenly bound. That's what I can remember. You know, yesterday was, a, was an interesting day. I went to a funeral. And I felt so many emotions. I, you know, you ever go to some, a funeral and you actually cry so much that your head just wants to explode. You know, and, I, and Billy Alberto, if you guys know Billy, was behind me weeping. He wasn't helping me to compose my emotions, you know. Billy was weeping. And, and I'll talk more about this amazing man, Tunde. He passed away of cancer, age 40. And I was just like, man, this is, this is a very emotional thing to go to and to be a part of. How am I going to rejoice in the Lord right now? Well, it was amazing what God did because I was able to. Even despite all that, it, there was still something beautiful in this life that Tunde lived. Rejoice in the Lord. You know, he has no trouble writing the same thing, he says. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. And again, it is a safeguard for you. Interesting. So rejoicing in the Lord isn't just something that you, it makes you feel good or makes you joyful. Like God wants you joyful. It's a will of his, right? That's what First Thessalonians says. It's God's will for you to be joyful, right? Amen. That's awesome. But more than that, it's a safeguard for you. What's it saving you from? What's it safeguarding you from? Well, as we move forward, legalism. It's safeguarding your faith. Amen? 
that joy is a, a shield for your faith in many ways. It protects your faith. It protects your heart. It protects you. And, and faith and joy are very close to each other. In many ways, they're almost the same thing. You know, joyful faith, faithful joy. You know, this is really what we're talking about. This is what joy is. Joy is faith and faith is joy. And it guards us. And it guards us from trying to have all our ducks in the order. We lose our joy. We focus on the wrong things, Christians. Speaking to myself too. We focus on the wrong things and we can get off track. And this is a safeguard for us. And maybe you're off track right now. You're just not there. You're not focusing on the right things. You're focusing on the temporal things. You're worldly. You're thinking about things that you shouldn't think about only. Where is your joy? And this is not a message. This is a message to safeguard you from legalism. And this was going on in the church. Verse 2, it says, watch out for those dogs. Amen. There's, there, he wasn't speaking about, you know, Lulu. Speaking about these teachers, these dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. He had a nickname for them. Circumcision group. The mutilators of the flesh. That's quite the nickname right there. That is quite the nickname, you know. Um, it almost seems like Paul's talking trash here. He says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. It's a safeguard for you. You know, Paul says rejoice, joy, rejoicing 16 times in Philippians. And what's more convicting is he says Christ 50, over 50 times in less than 100 verses. Pretty amazing. 50 times. So if you're going to do an equation, you know, Ignatius likes equations. Um, and so does Hugh. Hugh's uh, running a really, really uh, surprising, right? Another Iron Man thing or whatever he does, right? He's, uh, he's somewhere doing that. But he loves equations too. And I think if you got, if you focus on Christ, you know, you're going to get the joy. Amen. And, and you got to focus on Christ 50 times to get 16 joys. You know what I mean? And, and meaning that it, not every time you focus on Christ, you're going to see the joy and feel the joy and understand the joy. But Paul was focused on Christ, and that's why he was joyful. A lot of us think, I just got to get joyful. I got to get joyful. I got to think about how to conjure it up. You know, let me, let me write down 100 things that I'm grateful for. You know? That's what I, I used to do that all the time. And I'd get to 25 and I'm like, wow, I'm so blessed. And then an hour later, I'm not joyful. I got to write 24 of my five more things down. I'm grateful that I'm not dead. You know, then you start going, wow, this is not encouraging. You know what? It's not so encouraging to think that way, you know? And, and, and it's not something that you have to conjure up. It's something that if you focus on Christ, knowing Him, having a relationship with Him, that's going to be a fruit. Amen. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So just like we can't, we know this, I think, deep down in our hearts. If I share my faith, I can't make someone believe. That's one of the most frustrating parts of my job. I'm like, come on, man. You know, just, just accept the grace of God. I mean, it's not like I'm saying climb Mount Everest. I'm saying... Get right with the Lord. I mean, I don't know about you, but that seems like it should just happen. But it doesn't, right? God has to make it grow. 
It's a fruit that God makes grow. In the same way, joy is not something that you just make grow. It's something that comes from the Holy Spirit, and it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the only way to get the fruit, much fruit, the Bible says, is abide in Christ. And that's what Paul really hits hard in, in an amazing way um, here in, in chapter 3 here. You know, we know what we're focusing on because of how much we speak about it. Isn't it true? You know, you ask someone how they're doing, then you hear what they're feeling and saying. And sometimes it's like, oh, you know, the power went out and then all my groceries just got just totally, you know, done. And you start hearing all these things and it's like you don't hear Christ at all in there. I could totally be like that. How you doing? Blah, 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 blah. No Christ at all. Where's Christ? Where's Jesus? Where's God? Where is he? God's like, I'm over here. I'm over here. You know, what we talk about the most is what we really have deep in our hearts. And I'm not talking about religious kind of talk. You ever meet someone, they're like, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord, Jesus, hallelujah, 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 Jesus, hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen, amen, praise, you're like, whoa, I don't, did you say a sentence here? Is there a sentences that are coming in? And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes we can get kind of weirded out by that kind of talk, but I think we're way on the other side. That's not our talk right now in the fellowship. We're not like, Christ has me in his hands and he's not going to let me leave. You know, I am, I am in him. I am blameless. Praise be to Jesus Christ. We don't really say that a lot in our fellowship. Just be honest. You know, we don't talk. And maybe we're kind of a, a, a so scared of being religious that we're not talking about Christ enough. You know, when we disciple each other, are we talking about Jesus? Or are we just giving wisdom from the world? Right. You know, do we say, you know what? Do you realize that Christ... He, he's right there with you right now. You know? And, and even just what Jesse did was so good. I mean, using that into your times with God, in your times with others, talking about how God is willing to touch me when I'm unclean. Yeah. It's something that, man, so awesome and so deep. It's a safeguard for our souls. You know, I remember when I first became a Christian, I was so excited about my relationship with God. And my goal is to be more excited about my relationship with God than I was when I was first baptized. And you go, oh, that should be easy. That's not easy. You know, it's, it's just like we talked about. Familiarity breeds contempt. And it's so easy. But you know what? It is possible. In some ways, I believe God can make it possible for you to be more excited about your relationship with God than you've ever been excited about it before. Amen. I remember, you know... Not wanting to go to basketball practice. Literally. I, was, I had to go to basketball practice and I was like, reading my Bible. And I was like, I hate basketball. For me, that was a crazy thing to say out loud. Because I love basketball. I slept with my basketball in my bed. So there you go right there. As a teenager, I would shoot it in the, you know, up, you know, shoot it, you know, in the, while I'm have my, you know, sleep on my back. And I would shoot the ball. Get the rotation down. I'd do it in the dark. And I'd catch it. Catch it. Pitch dark. Catch it. I would just do that. Are you, what are you doing in there? Be quiet. 
You know what I mean? I would be doing all this stuff, you know? I'd be dribbling inside the house. And, you know, I, I know somebody in my family like that, you know? And, and, and it's like, man, I just remember not wanting to go to class. I was like, man, I have to go to organic chemistry. I have to go to biology. And I literally, at times, would skip class. The campus students aren't here, amen? Well, some of them are. I would skip class. I would say, you know what? I'm going to have to work harder, but I'm having such a great quiet time right now. I can't leave. Then I get discipled. Hey, bro, you need to go to class. <laughs> but you know, there was something about that that was beautiful. You know, I remember having gone, I went on a date with a sister, and I didn't want to go on the date. I was having time with God. And I was like, oh, man. Like, being with the Christians is awesome. Going on a date is awesome. But, but being with God is better. It's far better than anything else you could ever do. That's how we rejoice in the Lord. It's not this sort of religious thing. It's spending time with our God and just loving it. So much, so much that you're irresponsible. And I'm not, saying, I'm not saying let's be irresponsible, let's not show up to our jobs, amen? That's important. When was the last time you were irresponsible because you were just so enraptured with God? You were like, yeah, I know I was supposed to do that laundry. I know I was supposed to, you know, call you back. But I was spending time with the Lord. You know, in some ways you could call Jesus irresponsible. Everyone's looking for you, Lord. He's like, yeah, I was with the Lord. You guys are awesome, but my father's way better. He's like, let's go to other places where we should go and preach the word. It's safeguard, guys. Rejoicing in the Lord is a safeguard for our hearts and our souls. Watch out for those mutilators, those dogs, those evildoers. Who are these people? Well, we're going to learn about them in a second here. Verse 3. Let's move on. Rejoice in the Lord. No confidence in the flesh. It's a funny thing to say, right? No confidence in the flesh. Well, what do we have confidence in? It sounds pretty amazing, right? It's like, yeah, no confidence in the flesh. But everything we see is flesh. Think about it. All you know is what you see. And so it's not as easy as you think it is to have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. That's a, that's a truly spiritual thing. You know? You know, Buddhism says something pretty interesting. I was, I was just in, in a, I don't know what I was doing. I was just like sitting there in the lobby of some place. And I look up and there's like a little thing up there and it says, you know, holding on to things is the form of all suffering. And I was like, all right. You know, all religions have truth in it. You know, all religions have God's truth in it. Amen? Jesus is the greatest truth. He is the way, the truth, the life. But they got something right there, don't they? You know, especially in America, <laughs> where that's not the case. We say possessions helps alleviate suffering. But holding on to things in this life is the form of all suffering. Wow, what an amazing thing to think about. No confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. In verse 3, he says, uh, he talks about the mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are, circum who, are, who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, 
and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I love that. See, I can't say that as a disciple and, and be, you know, not lying up here. I, I, I am not like Paul. Paul was an extraordinary person. He understood this more than anyone else. What's he say? Circumcised on the eighth day. I guess that was, you know, cool, right? You know, I was circumcised the first day. Amen? You know, circumcised on the eighth day, like the Bible says. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I always think Benjamin, you know, is like the line of Saul. Amen? Amen, bro. You know, you Benjamin. You know, it's, I, it's, it's pretty awesome. It was an awesome line. It was a kingly, kingship line, but it was also a sad line. A failure to follow line. A Hebrews of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, want to talk about zeal? I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Think about that for a second. He followed the letter of the law to a T. But did he have joy in his life? Let that be an example to us all that try to be good, too good of a Christian to the fault point where we forget God. It can happen to us. You know? For whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Rubbish, the Bible says. Other, other versions say animal, you know, feces. I looked up the Greek word. It's skaban, and it's refuge, excrement of animals, rubbish, or dregs. I'm like, you know, I've been picking up a lot of excrements of animals recently. And today, especially, I was, you know, I knew I was preaching this passage. I looked at it, you know, and just like, wow, everything is like that. If I was like, I have a present for you, John Johnson. It's in this little green bag. <laughs> Would you like it? He'd be like, get that out of my face, man. He, he might be polite about it, though. You know, John, he'd be like, um, is this a, what, what are you doing? You know, and you know, he'd be nice about it. But again, you know, that's what the world is to Paul. Paul viewed all those accolades as trash as trash you know I, I like you know sometimes it helps me to have some pictures wow wow that's what his religion looked like to him just a pile of trash you know without Christ it's, it's rubbish it's nothing it's useless you know you know the prestige the respect the financial security that he had a seat at the highest position near Gamaliel. You know, he was trained by Gamaliel. You know, the Harvard of the time. And to him, it was like dog poo compared to knowing Christ. You know, what is of high worth to you? 
You know, obviously you're here, so there's a, there's a party that really has a high worth. Some of us drive. We spend our gas driving to church and putting ourselves, you know, before God. And that's an amazing. You have high worth. Amen. You guys see this as worthiness. But the thing that convicted me most was, is Christ so far superior that all that other stuff is like trash? And I have to be honest with you, I'm not there yet. I probably think you might not be there yet either. But we can all get there, amen? amen. And there's an antidote to how to get there. I think, I think if I'm trying to be a spiritual person, it's hard for me naturally to just figure that out on my own. I need to replace it with something amazing. You know? Something incredible. You know? And that's what we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about what does he do? But he says here... That he was, he, that circumcision, obviously, living by the law is not worth anything. That trying to get our joy from our circumstances, from our behavior, is not a way to live. That in some ways, living for Christ and rejoicing in Christ is really all God wants us to focus on. You know, um, rubbish. Thinking about this. Now, I'm going to show you an interesting picture right here. There it is. Okay. This guy right here, this is me. This is Kevin. This is in the campus ministry about, wow, probably 15 years ago. 20 maybe. I don't even know. All right. This is Halloween. It was, it was 70s. It was the 70s um, uh, thing. I, I, this is Tune Day. Gubiande. He's an amazing brother. And um, someone showed me this picture recently. And like, look at this. And there was a scrap album. And I was like, I got to take a picture of this, you know. And, and Kevin took the picture because he, he always keeps the, when I'm really looking stupid, he has like an album of me and him and me looking the stupidest ever. So he has me with a beret on my head in Paris with him. And I really look bad in that, you know, trying to look Parisian. He has me with my Payless sneakers on, which they were like, I thought these were like cool slip-on sneakers, and I, it wasn't cool at all, you know. He's like, why are you buying that? I remember I was with Danielle, and Danielle was being nice. She's like, you know, they look all right. And he's like, those are ugly, man. I'm like, they're 10 bucks, dude, and you just slip them on. He's like, he's like, you just look so stupid here. I'm like, dude, I got a girl. I don't need to be looking cool. She loves me, you know. And you know, I remember we're talking about this, you know. And again, this is me. Being stupid. Um, but again, this brother is who I want to focus on. This is the brother I want to focus on. His name is Tunde, and he is from Nigeria. His family um, was an incredible family. He has six sisters, and they all went to high colleges and excelled. And from birth, they were kind of like, listen, you need to go to America and do great things. And so he went to, to Wentworth and studied uh, um, architectural engineering and did amazing. And he played on the soccer team. He uh, is an incredible athlete, incredible person on paper. But if you asked him what was the most important thing in his life, it was Christ. It far outweighed it all. You know, he was uh, an incredible leader in God's kingdom in the campus ministry. He was the rock. You know, he was a solid rock in the church. He was an amazing man of God. Didn't care about title. 
just cared about serving Christ. When everything was going on with the letter and all that stuff, guess who wasn't moving? Tune Day. He wasn't going anywhere. He said, you know what? I'm, I follow Christ. He served the teen ministry and he helped people like Nick Rosenbaum. You know, and, 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 and you know, just all, uh, Jonathan Rogers. All these guys to do well spiritually. And it was amazing. His funeral was incredible. I don't know, you know, what to walk into funerals. You don't even know what's going to happen, right? Walk in there, there's 35 people lined up to share. Two and a half hours of sharing. They were supposed to go two minutes each. That was funny. <laughs> they shared, and when I talk about sharing, they're like, Tunde is my best friend. He's the reason I'm here in Christ. His sisters, he grew up with six sisters and no dad. Talk about, he was like a father to me. He was an older brother to me. We had conversations. I mean, he was speaking, they were speaking incredible things about him. And then his wife got up. His wife, who's, who's got a three-year-old daughter right now, Jadalia, gets up. And I'm like, I just was in awe. Literally, in awe of this woman getting up and sharing. And she shared for like 30 minutes about her love story with Tunde. And hearing about this man, you just didn't feel quite there yet as a man. <laughs> you know? And I know we immortalize people in their death, but this was not that. He was the real deal. The real deal man. Never lie. He always used to say before he spoke, honestly, and then he'd say what he meant. And he spoke the truth to people. And people had fallen away and, and were bitter towards the church. Got up and shared about him. I have lunch with Tunde every week for the last 15 years. And I'm like, it was incredible. It was an incredible time to remember this man. And, and, and it impacted me greatly. But nothing could compare to Christ to him. Nothing. And I know that. And even though he was dying of, of sarcoma and cancer, he was dying of it. To his last day, he was standing. And people would call him and he would say, God is good. God is so good. And here he is dying. You know, he died and, 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 and Judeo got up and he just wants to build his legacy. You know, his little daughter's three years old. And they recorded the whole funeral so that she could know the kind of man he was. People got up and they shared personally about who he was, the incredible man, how they impacted. And now she's going to be able to grow up and know him in that way. And I know it's still going to be extremely painful. We need to be praying for Jadalia. We need to, if we can, if we can reach out and encourage her and we know her, please, let's do that. But what moved me most is that we can't have confidence in the flesh. When you looked at this man, Tunde, I was shocked when I got the news because literally, even though he had cancer, he had gotten in a remission, and I don't know what it was, but I just thought this guy was going to beat it. He was just, I mean, diesel, man, strong, strong-minded, strong in his body, never eat 
anything that was unhealthy, you know, and, and, and yet this man who never smoked, never drank, you know, grew up in a, a Christian household, did everything right. I mean, obviously he would tell you he didn't do everything right. He was a sinner, right? But compared to me, he did everything right. He dies at 40. Can you have confidence in the flesh? You know, even Tunde's preaching right now. He's not living right now. He, he's living with Christ. His body is, is somewhere in the ground right now. But he's somewhere else. He's in paradise. And to think about the fact that this man had no confidence in the flesh, and he was exactly right for not having confidence in the flesh. You know, we can't have confidence in this flesh. All we can have is confidence in Christ. You know where to put confidence? It's in Christ. And when I look at this man's life, I think about have no confidence in the flesh. I think about Tunde. Even though he had all these things going from him, he had a successful life in all things consideration, his most successful accolade was that he knew Christ. And that is our most successful accolade. Amen. To know Christ. Amen? Amen? Let's move on. Verse 10. What's the antidote to this? What's the antidote? Let's get off that slide. What's the antidote? The antidote is to know Christ. And I'm just going to tell you that if Paul is not there yet, now he's there now, amen, he knows Christ now. But at the time he wrote this, he wasn't there. I'm certainly not there. <laughs> Verse 12. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forget, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which Christ God, which God had called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, I, 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 there's a lot here. But I want to just focus on verse 10 and verse 11. I want to know Christ. What, what's the goal? What's the focus of Christianity? I know last week we talked about it. It's of first importance. Christ. You know, it's funny that in kids' class, like we talked about, if you say Jesus, you got a 50% chance of getting it right. You know, except when it's Satan, then you feel really bad, you know? But if you say Satan or Jesus, it's usually like you got 75% chance. Who's against you? Satan. Who's for you? Jesus. Who loves you? Jesus. Who died on the cross for you? Jesus. Who sustained your life? Jesus. What's it say? The Bible says that children possess the kingdom of God. Why do children possess it? Because they keep it simple. What's the answer to everything? I think we got a good chance of doing well in our life if we use the word Jesus every time. You know, what's the goal of a Christian life is to know Christ. What are your goals? If one of them is not to know Christ, man, you're not going to have true joy. You're going to miss it. To know Christ and to be like him. 
But it's funny to say that. Our major goal is to know Christ and to be like Him. But to know Christ is to be like Him. So I'm just going to put a period to know Christ. Because biblically, to know Christ is to be like Him. Knowing Christ doesn't mean, okay, yeah, He's born of the Virgin Mary, and I know the Micah passage that talks about this when He was born in Bethlehem, and I know how many 30 silver coins, you know. I know the scripture in Jeremiah that says it about the potter's field. I know all this stuff, Isaiah 53, and Isaiah 7, and Isaiah 9, and, you know, and, and, and all the passages. I know Genesis speaks about Jesus, he's going to crush his head, you know, and, and, and strike his heel. And we can know information about Jesus. That he healed, the, you know, the, the, the lepers and rose people up from the dead. We can know of Christ, but to know him is to live like him. And this is what Paul's major ambition was. His major ambition wasn't to evangelize the world. His major ambition wasn't to be successful in his job, you know, obviously, <laughs> that doesn't seem like his major ambition. His major ambition was to know Christ. And that usually figured out everything in his life. You know, what's our major ambition? What's our major ambition? I'm not saying we don't have goals, we don't, we don't have career goals. I'm not saying all that, but to know Christ has to be the first ambition. I'm preaching to myself, believe me. He says, I want to know Christ. And I'm like, yes, that's awesome. Let's do that. Let's know Christ. Let's know Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on, on the Son of God. Let's get ourselves entangled from all the sin that so easily entangles us and fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's do that. What does it mean to know Christ, though? Well, he breaks it down here. He says, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Whoa. Whoa. I literally thought to myself, we need to have sermons on each one of these. And I might do it, because I'm just like, you know what? We're not in a hurry to learn Philippians. If I end it too quick, and you're like, what's that about? I, I, I feel like I failed you. The power of his resurrection, what does that even mean? I want to know the power of his resurrection. Well, what is the power of the resurrection? The power of the resurrection, because Christ Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible says that we, that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is within us. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Holy Spirit who indwells in you. The Holy Spirit, whose power is necessary to defeat Satan by raising Jesus from the dead, indwells in every believer to give us power over indwelling sin. So that, the power, okay, that, that death couldn't hold Jesus, that same power that, that allowed Jesus to take all the sins in his body, go down to Hades, then come back up three days later, is inside of you. You know, I was talking to my wife the other day, and I just do the same things over and over again. In my marriage. You'll learn that as you get married. You fight about the same stuff. You know? There I go again. One of our fights is on Thursdays. Thursdays is the day that Danielle gets to serve God in a little bit of a longer time. And I'm supposed to be on the house duty. And guess what happens? I bet you can't guess what happens. 
let's just say the house duties aren't done. And she comes home to what? Dishes everywhere. Or dishes that are not quite done yet. I did them in my mind. But there's still that oil and grease upon them. You know what I'm saying? Help me, Jesus. Help me to change this. And you know, and there's a part of me that feels like, will I ever change, Lord? Will I ever change? Will our dynamics of our marriage ever change? And to be honest, the statistics say no. You know, people even say, you're going to be who you're going to be, and she's going to be who you're going to be. And most counselors now in the world just say, accept that about each other. That's how you deal with it. That doesn't seem like the indwelling of the power of Jesus in the resurrected Christ inside of me. I can clean those dishes. I mean, the same Lord that rose Jesus from the dead can make me a man that's changed. I can transform my marriage. I can transform my character. Not because I'm awesome. Not because I go to church. Not because I have anything going that's great for me. Or a self-help book. Or a counselor. It's because the power of the Holy Spirit is inside of me. Inside of you. And can change you. Can heal you. Can transform you. It's amazing. I want to know that Jesus in my life. The Jesus that changes me. That I'm unrecognizable. You know, I, I've seen spiritual transformation happens like this. Hopefully you're going up to be more like Jesus. But I'm never like, this is not how it happens with me. Why? Because I get prideful, 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 humbled out. Oh yeah, okay, now you have some growth. Sometimes what happens is you just kind of, oh man, pull it up, pull it up. And thank Jesus that the power of the resurrection still keeps me blameless before the Father as I'm changing. But the power of the resurrection in my life, is it power? Do you understand how powerful God is inside of you right now? Pick the most challenging thing. Write it down on a piece of paper. What's the most challenging thing that you cannot change? You just think, I can't change this. I can't change this. I got like four of them in my life where I'm just like, Slamming my head against the wall. It, it, I see how it damages people's lives. I see it. I see how I mess it up. I see how I can be a more effective servant of God if I change this. How am I going to change those things? The power of the resurrection. Amen. And I want to put to you, you can change. You can change because of the power of the resurrection. Amen. The participation of his suffering. That's what it says. Fellowship with his sufferings. Now, the first part was fired up. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about changing the power. I mean, the power of the resurrection. And it's like, and I want to participate in his sufferings. What now? Say what? What did you say, Jesus? What was that? Paul, what did you say? Did you say participate in the sufferings? That's how we know Christ too. Suffering. Paul wanted to participate in the sufferings of Christ. I have suffered, we have suffered. There's obviously, if you've lived more than 20 years, more than five years on this earth, you've suffered in some way, right? You've, you've hurt, you've, you've felt pain. But, but 
And, and I'm not talking about suffering because of our sin. I'm talking about kind of the tune day suffering stuff. That has nothing to do with him. The sufferings of just heartache. That has nothing to do with you. You did everything right and you're suffering. Paul was like, bring it on, man. Bring that suffering on. Now, he wasn't somebody that was like wanting suffering in his life, like, like he was trying to beat himself up. But he understood. He's, you know, he's 60 years old now, guys. He's 56 years old. He's seen what suffering has produced in his life. And he goes, man, there's nothing better than suffering for Christ. I get to know Jesus more than I've ever known him. If my goal is to know Christ, then suffering is one of those doors i got to go through. And here's the secret. It's going to be okay. You know, when you go to the gym, you're not totally fired up when you first step in there. I'm not usually like, yes, let's run. Yes. When I'm fired up is when I've just showered and I've done the workout. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. It's usually after the fact, right? Yeah. Suffering's like that too. You know, when I lost my, my, my stepfather, my grandmother, and I saw people dying, other people dying in my life, you know, honestly, that's not even total. I haven't reached the full capacity of my suffering. It's scary to say that. I've not suffered much. But I learned more in those times than I've ever learned in my whole Christian life. I've trusted God more in those times. And not to say you want to bring it on, but when you see it, don't run from it. Because Christ is there. Intimacy with Christ is there. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Not the raising of the dead, not Lazarus coming out of the tomb. That didn't teach him how to obey. That didn't teach him what he needed to learn. He had to learn through suffering. His suffering for our sins on the cross was the ultimate test of his submission to the will of God. If we were to be like him, we also must learn to obey God through suffering. Who suffered in this room? You know? Don't look at those only with negativity. Look at them as a way to get closer to Jesus. You know, becoming like him in his death. That's also not fired up. Because how did he die? We learned about this last week. He was nailed to a cross. Wow! Where's the good news? <laughs> Where's the good news? You know, it's a secret for a reason, guys. The joy secret is for a reason. See, when you looked at Paul, you're like, what's up with this guy? He's chained to a, a Roman guard, and he's like giddy writing. He's like, oh my goodness, I can't wait. This is going to be awesome. He's all excited. He's all fired up writing this letter to the Philippians. You'd think he won the lottery when you read this. You'd think he, he just... Like, got this new house. You know, he think he just had success in his life. But he's in jail, guys. And he's like, I'm so fired up about you. 
about Jesus because he's becoming more like Jesus. A self-denial, less of self, more of others. Less of self, more of God. What did John the Baptist say? I must become less. He must become more. I'm not saying we, we want to go through the cross. There's actually people in the world that take this scripture literal, which is super intense, and they get crucified to feel what it felt. That's intense. And I'm saying that's not what the scripture is saying to do. Amen? But at the same time, man, what am I willing to do to, to think of myself less? How many times a day do you think about yourself? Maybe just take a tally of that one day. Wake up and go, I'm going to think about, I'm going to figure out how many times I think of myself and I'm going to write a little check mark. Oh my goodness. That would be convicting, wouldn't it? Do it this week. Do it one time. Don't try to be selfless. Just be like yourself. Do your thing. You know what I mean? I woke up today. The dog, trying to get up. I'm like, oh, why do I have to get up? Do this dog thing. I wish one of the kids would do it. Why doesn't Danielle do it? <laughs> you know, you're thinking all these things. And what is it about? It's about me. My sleep is so important. Wow, that's how I start my morning. Man, a home run. It's doing great. Jesus, I'm just like you. Wow. And then I'm thinking of myself all the time. Man, help me, Lord, to become more like you in, my, in his death. You know, and then somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. I got good news for you guys. Paul was able to do it. Amen. Paul did it. Paul did it. And his trials weren't over yet. He got out of prison. Guess what? And then more stuff happened to the guy. But he walked through life like a champion. Spiritual champion. In the end, Demas deserted. Remember that? He was all alone. Loneliness was a part of what he had to go through. And in the end, he said, I fought the good fight. A crown is waiting for me. He did obtain. I love how he said, somehow to obtain the resurrection of the dead. You know, even to him, it's like, whoa, I'm going to resurrect. He says, not that I've already obtained all this, or already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So Christ took hold of me, amen? Now, my whole life, I'm trying to take hold of Him. Isn't that interesting? To be like Him. To know Him. You know, I, I don't know about you, but this is not so much saying that you have to like, oh, you have to do this, you have to be this. Just enjoy going after this. The power of the resurrection. I, I, I appreciate that he starts with that first. Because I need some power to do the suffering and die, denial of self. Though. Don't you need Jesus for that? But to know Christ has got to be our goal. How about you? Are you excited about that? To know Christ like this? I'm a little scared. I'm a little scared. I'm a little like, I thought you meant like, you know, get my quiet time out and coffee out, you know, know God that way, you know, get some, 
easy listening guitar music in the background, you know, and just kind of feel the Lord, you know what I mean, inspire me, you know. Literally, that's what I'm like, yeah, let's have quiet times. This is not just quiet times, guys. This is, but it's exciting. It's much more exciting than quiet times. Because quiet times are like, it's like a little devotional thought. And then I go on in my life. I bring Christ with me everywhere I go now. When someone treats me wrong, Christ is there going, you just got to know me a little more now. You know, in college, when people would whisper about, oh, he's, he's in a cult, he's a weird religious guy. And I hear that. Jesus is like, become more like me. You know? Now, what happened was sometimes I'd be like, hey, what are you talking about over there? And get all mad, you know? Jesus is like, no, well, that's not what I would have done. There were times when I need to still learn to be like Jesus. Amen? But joy comes from this. And and the way I want to end is just saying that the goal of the Christian life, how do we receive joy? By focusing on Jesus. This week, okay, we have a, amen, it's going to be awesome to have the God and science thing. And we got to go after that. And, and try to bring our friends, because Jesus would do that, right? To deny ourselves, to not think about ourselves only, but to think about, hey, how can I spread the faith around? Right? But primarily our goal every week needs to be to be like Jesus, to know Jesus. I want you to make that your goal. Just do it tomorrow, and then do it the next day, and then get up and do it the next day. When you wake up and you're tired, and you're like, oh, remember me. And just go, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about Christ. You know, the joy comes from rejoicing in the Lord. There's so much to rejoice in the Lord about. Maybe the power of the resurrection is where we need to start. Because we need the strength to do it. But for me, I want to go after this myself. I hope that I'm more fired up, more joyful next week. Because I got to know Christ more. This is how we can become joyful. It's a safeguard for our faith. And it's where the secret of joy is. Amen. Amen.